And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, for this special Media Day 2022 edition of Bleeding Green. A lot of content to share for you. I was actually able to go to Media Day this year. It's the first time I've ever been. Great time. It was a great opportunity. So many, I got to meet a lot of the folks from the different teams that I had on Bleeding Green last year during the season. And, uh, and also interview several of the Northwest players. There were six players that you'll hear from today, as well as head coach Rich Wright. And uh, boy, what a you know what an amazing time! I'm so excited to share this this uh, episode with you and and all of this uh, audio and, and different things that I was able to gather at Media Day this year. It w- it started off with Northwest, but that's not what I'm going to start off with. Um, you know, what's the saying? Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat, right? We're going to hear from former head coach Adam Doral, who's the uh, head coach, of course, AD now at UCO, which it's still weird to, to say that, and it's going to be really strange. It, it was strange to see him in something other than Northwest Green, I'll be honest with you. And Lambeau, Josh Lamberson, who's the head coach at UCM, got some really good audio. My favorite quote or, or soundbite of the day is from Lambeau, and I'm going to share that with you. As well as, I want to start by talking about the the uh, preseason meet, the preseason polls. There's a coaches poll and the media poll, and I'm also going to share with you my personal media poll. I I've never shared this on the podcast, but one of my personal goals when I started Bleeding Green was that I wanted to vote in the MIAA preseason media poll at some point. I didn't know that would be this year. In fact, it just kind of happened. I was very honored and and a pretty cool moment for me personally to be able to do that. So I say that because you may think I'm insane once I share that. But let's talk about the coaches poll first. Um, Northwest, no big surprise, coming in first. I mean, you've probably seen the seen the numbers, seen the uh, the polls by now, of course. But Northwest receiving 10 of the 12 first place votes. You knew they weren't going to get all um, all 12 because, of course, Northwest, the coaches can't vote for themselves. So the interesting thing was that someone else besides Rich Wright voted for someone other than Northwest. Um, Nebraska, Kearney, Pitt State, Washburn, all pretty close together at 2-3-4. Kearney and Pitt were the other two teams receiving first place votes. We don't know which one of those was Northwest, so uh, so that's interesting. Um, fifth, Fort Hayes State. Sixth, Emporia had a tie for seventh with Central and Missouri Western. UCO at ninth, Southern at tenth, Northeastern State eleventh, and no big shocker, Lincoln in there at twelfth. As far as the media poll, it looked really similar. In fact. Um, and I'm going to give you the what the media poll was, and then I'm going to tell you about my personal poll and kind of some of the reasoning that uh, that I my thought process behind why I ranked the teams, why I did. Northwest, of course, first in the media poll, and there were multiple other teams getting first place votes. Nebraska Kearney came in at second, and they were there was a pretty sizable point difference between them and anyone else. They received a first place vote. Pitt was third. They received a first place vote. And then Washburn fourth, fourth they as well received a first place vote in the media poll. Um, Fort Hayes State at five, Emporia six, Missouri Western seven, UCO eight, Central Missouri nine, uh, Missouri Southern in 10th, and then, of course, Northeastern State followed by Lincoln. Now, the Matt Daniel 
MIAA preseason poll looked pretty similar to that. I think there's kind of tiers of teams, and I think pretty clearly, and you could see in the coaches poll and the media poll, the top four teams are Northwest, Kearney, Pitt, and Washburn. Now, I ranked them a little bit differently. I had Northwest first, Pittsburgh State two, Washburn three, and Nebraska Kearney at four, and... Um, I've, I've already gotten some flack, uh, caught some flack for some other people. The reason I put Carney at four, obviously, you know, the keys are, are quarterback and head coach, right? You bring back a quarterback, you bring back your head coach, things are going to look pretty good for you. And so, um, I, I don't know. My reasoning behind that is, was Carney's defense is average at best, and they wa- they had to win some close games last year. I-, I could foresee an instance where maybe some of those games don't go as closely. Now, I can also counterpoint that to, well, that you know they have a playoff win. That's going to give them a bunch of confidence. They get Northwest in Kearney, which, of course, we lost the last time we went out there. Um, but another reason I picked Pitt State, too, is Pitt State gets us in the jungle this year. And so I'm pretty high on Washburn and Pitt State, more so than – you know, being a Carney hater, I, I think the Lopers are a great team. I, I really admire um, head coach Josh Lynn. And obviously, TJ Davis is, you know, maybe the best player in the conference, to be quite honest with you. But we will see uh, exactly how that pans out. Now, the rest, then there's kind of the next tier of, of teams. Uh, four, I've had Fort Hayes State fifth. I put UCO sixth, and that's higher than a lot of teams. And, you know, UCO maybe talent-wise is maybe an 8, 9, somewhere in there. But, of course, you know, the, the Adam Doral effect is what I like to call it. And uh, so that's why I ranked them sixth. Emporia State, of course, they have a great quarterback, great head coach. And, uh, obviously, Garen Higgins is, is, is one of my favorite interviews at Media Day. He was last year, didn't disappoint again this year. I don't have any audio from him, but he he was he's always pretty entertaining and a great guy too. Nobody has a bad thing to say about the guy. He's been a coach there a really long time. I put Western 8, UCM 9, Southern 10, Northeastern State 11, and Lincoln 12. So that's kind of my reasoning behind, and, and we'll see, I guess, right? We'll see what happens when the end of the season comes and uh, how the teams are all uh, are all ranked. Of course... Northwest, right? A pretty young team in some pretty key areas, but um, you know we will be uh, discussing that more in length. They'll be doing a full preview and things as we get a little bit closer to the season. Fall camp, in fact, starts August sixth, so we're oh so close to uh, <laughs> do some some uh, more current things to talk about. I plan on attending a fall practice and and maybe getting some more current content and things when I'm up in Maryville as well. And I'm going to have kind of a schedule of things between now and the end of the season. I'll share that with you at the end of the podcast today. Now, the first thing I want to do before we start getting into Northwest, right? I understand it's a Northwest podcast. But again, once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. I was really interested to hear two guys that weren't Coach Rich Wright. And it was Adam Doral and Josh Lamberson. So let's let's go ahead and start right there. And, and a couple of the, the pieces... From, from AD that I wanted to play for you involve him talking about some of the lessons that he learned at Abilene Christian and how he feels like he can apply those to being the head coach now at, at UCO. I think re- regardless of circumstances, if you're doing things right, you can always learn, uh, even from failures, and I feel like I'm able to do that. You know, one of the things that I try to do is have a growth mindset and learn uh, from things that maybe I'm not doing well. 
Uh, and I think in college athletics, I, I think everybody has to evolve right now. It's, it's just a different landscape with the transfer portal. Um, there's a lot of things that are different, you know, than eight to 10 years ago in, in college athletics. And so I think you have to step back and look at that. I think you have to really uh, bring the focus on student athletes. I think you have to uh, let them have a voice, you know, uh, and I want these guys, we talk a lot about being a player-led football team, uh, you know, but the biggest thing is just learning from my mistakes and, and trying to bring that back to UCO and, uh, you know, start up a program and, and uh, just want to do it the right way with, with high school guys and trying to develop players. Obviously, nothing shocking there from AD, um, you know, is, is, you know, that's kind of the Bearcat way, right, of, of, of building up a program and, and maybe not as, as much the Bearcat way, but as much the Coach Mel Churchma way. And so, uh, you know, it's just so interesting seeing the Mel Churchma uh, coaching tree, you know, of, of now you've got three head coaches in the MIAA. That's just uh, that's just pretty amazing. One of the other interesting things that that AD talked about, he was asked kind of the big differences between the MIAA when he left for Abilene Christian after the 2016 season and now going into the 2022 season. I just think it's it's better from top to bottom. You know, I think um, you look at the guys up at Kearney, what they're doing, um, doing a lot of really good things. Missouri Southern, uh, Tia is doing a lot of really good things. So I just. You know, obviously the usual suspects are, are here, uh, the, the power guys, but um, I just think from top to bottom, it's a more competitive league. A couple other things that he talked about that I'm not going to necessarily play clips from, but but Northwest obviously keeps coming up, right? Three-time national coach of the year, three-time national champion, and, uh, you know, obviously Northwest alum, All-American, all of those different things, right? And, uh, you know, he somebody tweeted in you you could tweet questions in with a hashtag asking my double a which is pretty cool i know they did that last year i'm not sure exactly when that started but um and a, and a northwest fan tweeted in and asked him basically how that week was going to be different and and basically what he said was they have not earned the, the right to you know look at themselves as a you know, as that high of a program yet, which is, which is a really interesting answer. And uh, boy, I tell you what, though, with all the resources and everything down at UCO, I think this hire got everybody's attention when it happened after the, after the season last, uh, last winter, I think he was announced in December. And so um, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does down there. And, and I don't know, I think if, if, you know, there's a team that can exceed expectations, it's his again, I don't think they get into that top tier, but I think uh, I think UCO can cause some people some problems, and we we all know he can scheme and, and call plays. Absolutely, he's going to work with that offensive line, so that's going to be really really interesting. And so now we get to the guy who had my favorite soundbite of the day. I've got another clip first, but Josh Lamberson at UCM. You know, obviously he was the offensive coordinator under under Jim Sboda. Now he's he's following uh, Coach Boda. Um, there at UCM, as as uh, as Svoboda went to Tulane, who's down there with Johnny Mack and and Willie Fritz, which is just really kind of interesting. To see what they do down there, D one. But um, obviously, Lambo didn't have the kind of success he wanted to at uh, at Carney, of course. And then he went, you know, followed uh, AD down and joined his staff at Abilene Christian. But it was really interesting. If anybody. I don't know, just really carried themselves well. I feel like it was him. Again, I have a soft spot for Lambo. He's one of my favorite Bearcats of all time. I said that on the very first episode of this podcast. So 
I'm obviously biased, but that was one of the reasons that I wanted to play a couple of clips of his. And he talked about kind of those past experiences and how he's learned and how he hopes to apply that from that, um, you know, head coaching stint at Kearney now to the, when he's in Warrensburg. We don't have enough time uh, to list everything that I've learned. I think one of the some of the highlights, though, uh, just from from being a head coach and being in this seat before is is to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves first uh, and, and really implementing what you truly know to be right and what you truly know to be correct for your, your student athletes and your coaching staff and the family that, that you have and, and ultimately putting that ahead of, of everything else. And I think sometimes, especially in the coaching world, it's, it's so transactional, right? You do this, you get this. You, you play this well, you're going to get a trophy. And, and I think sometimes and I, I'm guilty of this as well, we miss the, the relationship part of it. We miss the investment in, in our student athletes. We miss the investment in the coaches relationship. We, and we miss the investment in the, the player to coach relationship. And so that's one of the things that we've really focused on. Uh, we haven't talked about goals. We haven't talked about wins. We haven't talked about first down. We haven't talked about any of those things. We've talked about investing in each other, uh, building that trust, because ultimately we know in a relationship um, these guys are only going to go as far as they trust me in that type of relationship in the coaching um, world. And so we want to be very transformational, uh, not transactional with how we coach. We want to touch, yes, we're going to teach them how to block, how to tackle, how, all, all the physical schemes that go along with playing football. But more than anything, we want to we teach these guys, you know, ultimately how to be great husbands, fathers, men of the community that are going to go out and do great things in the world um, and, and live by that example. And that's kind of the cool thing that we've really focused on, and, and they've really taken that and run. And now we get to my soundbite of the day. This is the Matt Daniel special here, <laughs> the soundbite of the day. And the question that Lambeau was asked was how might he do things differently than Coach Svoboda did or maybe that he already has. You know, obviously he was, uh, you know, Coach Svoboda was his offensive coordinator when he was at Northwest, and then he was his coordinator at UCM, and they have such a great relationship. And Lambeau just took this question and ran with it and, again, had – for for my has my vote for for soundbite of the day. We're similar uh, because I I think we all learned from from the same guy, uh, and I would be remiss to to not point this out. But he's in the room today, and a, a guy that that I owe so much to in my coaching career, and, and so many of us that have been up at this podium today owe in their coaching career, and that's that's Coach Mel Churchma, uh, and ultimately what he taught us, not just about the game of football, but you know I mentioned the the transactional against the transformational, and you know Coach T is. Yeah, he was my college football coach, and, and he was demanding. And, you know, we were fortunate to win a lot of games and, and do a lot of great things when I played for him and then coached underneath him. But, you know, to be real honest with you, I don't, I, I don't remember hardly any of those. You know, what I remember is our conversations that we have and the, li the life lessons that he still teaches me to, the, to this day and the way that I call him when I, when I need advice and I need help or, or to, to celebrate the good times and to go through the bad times with. And so I think ultimately is – as a coach, um, you know, you mentioned Coach Sabota and myself and Coach Doral and Coach Wright, and it all stems from one guy, uh, and that's the guy that, that we owe a lot of our success to. And, and again, not just my success in football, but my success in life is, is Coach Churchma. So, you know, from a philosophical perspective on how to treat people and, you know, like Ty said, to be, not, to be kind instead of being nice, to be the best version of myself every single day, to ultimately achieve greatness and, and that necessarily doesn't always include wins and losses but you know victories on and off the field I think that that will be the same schematically will be a little bit different um, 
with what Coach Sabota did offensively. We've changed some things defensively. We've changed a lot from a special teams perspective and just trying to play complementary football. I think that's one of the things that these guys have really bought into where it's it's not just necessarily the offense and, and the defense and a special teams. It's one heartbeat holistic football where we are all working together to ultimately achieve what we want to achieve at UCM. Part of what made that moment so special is is Coach T was there. He said it. You know, he was in the room, and he was basically saying it to to Coach T. It's just, I mean, just awesome. I mean, that was just such a cool moment. Another really cool moment was was at lunch earlier in the day when, um, you know, as as a Bearcat fan, this was just really cool to see. So you had you had AD and Coach T and Lambo and then Rich Wright, and they were all giving each other hugs and slaps on the back. I mean, it was just, it was just a really cool moment as a fan to just sit back there and see because, you know, while yes, okay, you know, I have this podcast and whatever, I still feel like I I view things through a fan lens. And, uh, you know, this this is the fans podcast. It, it absolutely is. And that's because I'm a fan. And that was just a that was just a really neat moment, something I totally did not expect to see during the day. And then what Lambo said, which was toward the end of the day, the, the central was the next to last team up on the podium. Western uh, rounded out the day, just a really, really cool moment. So I've got lots more to share with you from media day. I'll have uh, coach rich, Wright Some of what he said at the podium as well as I was able to, to uh, catch rich and uh, have a little uh, one-on-one conversation with him. There were six Bearcat players there as well, besides Zach Howard and Braden Wright, who were up on the podium. I got to chat with all six, so I'm going to take a quick timeout, come back, lots of Bearcat audio next year on Bleeding Green. Hello. This is former Northwest quarterback Chris Rice, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green, the special MIAA 2022 uh, Media Day edition of the podcast. And uh, now it's time to hear from the Bearcats. The day started off with Northwest on the podium. And uh, Coach Rich Wright was up, and and one of the things he was asked is if this team had an identity yet. One of the things that that we talked about in the offseason, and it's true of every team, it's uh, it's literally like putting a puzzle back together. And you have different pieces that have to go in, uh, and it takes time. You know, they've spent a lot of time in the weight room right now, but they haven't, you know, actually gotten out on the field. And that's what makes football such a special game is it takes 22 guys working together uh, over and over and over again to have the type of success that, that we like to have at North, Northwest. So it's, it's going to be a work in progress. Um, we're just excited to get to camp on August 6th and kind of take, take it one day at a time, uh, going through the, the daily process, just trying to get better each and every day uh, as individuals and as a program. One of the other things that Coach Wright was asked about was was how the feeling going into this season was different compared to uh, to last year, with there being not being any football in 2022, and now being more of a, a typical uh, off season and season heading into this 2022 season. I guess I would say that it's it the the trend back towards normalcy um, is has been noticeable. You know, there there weren't. Um, you know, I think everybody was a little bit apprehensive, even after, you know, it sounded like we were going to have the green light and going to be able to go, but nobody was really sure 
what was going to happen with the pandemic um, this year. It's it's kind of in the rearview mirror, and all we've been focused on is football. Uh, probably the biggest difference is that that I've recognized as the head football coach. It's that gap in the in the whole COVID process. So um, obviously, I work with the defensive line. I think it's a little more indicative of bigger kids. But you know, when when a kid comes into Northwest, he's a work in progress. He's not ready to play right away. And so that group that came in in 2018 and 2019, um, really, they they redshirted, and then they still weren't ready as redshirt freshmen. And then we go to 20, and they don't play. And then we have a large group of guys, of older kids, who who kind of made a little bit of a log jam for us in some respects as far as playing time. So now when we went out this last spring, I mean, it was it was noticeable across our roster. We had kids that were upperclassmen in grade, but in terms of playing experience, you know, we were very young. And so that's that's been the biggest, you know, aha moment, I guess, for me is just how to navigate through that and how to get guys ready to play um, in what I regard as the best football conference in Division Two, and be able to perform at a high level, you know, week in and week out. We're going to have to kick the tires in a hurry and get going because, uh, you know, Fort Hayes State is week one, and they're obviously a great football team. I think Coach Wright was also asked about his thoughts on facing Hayes in Maryville on a Thursday night for game one of the season. I think what it does is it just uh, creates a sense of urgency from the first day of camp, you know, uh, everybody knows that uh, I'm real good friends with Chris Brown. Uh, I have a lot of respect for what he's done out at Fort Hayes State um, and just how he's been able to elevate that program. And, uh, you know, everybody knows when they come to town, it's a, it's a physical football game. It's two really good teams. They've been tight games over the last five or six years, and so we've got to come out and play well. Yeah, there's no easing into the MIAA schedule uh, this season, just like there wasn't last season. Last season it was on the road to start out against uh, against Hayes, so that will be interesting. We will cover that game on nauseam, okay, <laughs> before before that comes up on September 1st. I've I've got some, uh, some plans about season previews and previewing that game and whatnot here as we get a little bit closer. And again, I'm going to kind of run down what the rest of, of this short offseason in the next month or so, um, four or five weeks, is going to look like here on Bleeding Green here towards the end. But I also got a chance to chat with Coach Wright um, after he uh, stepped down from the podium to talk a little bit. One of the things I, I just started by asking him how important consistency was when you have – um, you know, like the two guys next to him, right? A Braden Wright, a Zach Howard, two guys that were captains last year that are captains again this year when there's so much on the so much youth on the team this year. It's going to be vital. You know, it's um, we've got to we've got to as quickly as possible get the position battles figured out, get the depth charts set so that we can create the type of continuity that you just need to have. You know, whether you're playing on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. So the quicker we can get those things established and, and kind of get everybody situated, I think the better we're going to be. Well, and what a, what a, how much of a challenge is it to start the season against against a Fort Hay State? We know that was last year, but there's so much more youth. Is, is it come down to that, getting those position battles figured out? It is, you know, and, and it's we were just talking about it with some, or I was talking about it with some of the other coaches. It's just, 
you know, it's it's so indicative of this league, you know, so, you know, whether you're opening up with, you know, Hayes or Central or Pitt or Kearney or, I, I mean, you just go on and on and on and on. Western, you know, we've opened with them several times in the past. And, and so it just speaks to the the depth, the quality of competition that's in the MIAA. And, yeah, for a young team, that's going to be the challenge. Well, in, in having, you know, you have two playoff winning quarterbacks on your roster. How important is that, is having two guys that you can turn to if, you know, obviously injuries were a really big deal last year. We hope they aren't this year. Yeah. But what kind of confidence does that give you on that side of the ball? I think it's the, you know, it's it's really calming, you know, as the head football coach to, to have not just one but two kids that have played in those types of situations. I think they'll do a ton because uh, the, the entire offense runs through that position. And so when you're a little more inexperienced at running back, like we're going to be in receiver, like we're going to be just having that guy, that calm presence in the pocket, that guy that's been there, that guy that knows where everybody lines up and everybody's supposed to be um, is going to help their evolution a lot, a lot more quickly than would be with a new quarterback as well. Well, and obviously true freshmen usually don't get a lot of starting time at Northwest. Are there any guys that you're looking at, obviously maybe won't know exactly until fall camp starts, but are, are there guys that you're looking at as having the potential to come in and contribute right away? Uh, from the true freshman perspective, not not right now as we sit here today, but I've been surprised before, you know, and, and so we've got a talented group of high school kids where you're really going to see it's it's that that. 2020 class and 2021 or yeah 2021 class that that really have seen no time and nobody knows about that there are a few hidden gems in there that could potentially end up playing for us we'll just have to see how things shake out well and is there a sense of you know when we look at there's a difference between i guess how old the guys are and then we look at their eligibility because of that covid year maybe there's some redshirt sophomores and things that you know where they're they have you know the typical experience i mean there's some of those guys too that you're looking at that basically they have more experience than their eligibility says oh absolutely you know it's it's just it's kind of an interesting dynamic and and we've just got to play it out um we did get a couple transfers in over the course of the summer a couple receivers a tailback you know we i haven't i ha they haven't done a drill for me yet so until we get to see what they can do um we really won't know uh and then it's just going to boil down to how quickly can they absorb our playbook and understand and, and get on, on the same page with the rest of the offense. Well, now is important. You know, we talked about it a lot last year where you had, you know, the, there were several transfers more than maybe years past, but all of them seem like Bearcat guys. How important is that to you that you don't just get a good player in, but he's the right guy and he, know, he plays the Bearcat way? Well, we definitely try and bet that as much as possible, but you never truly know until those guys get to campus. And, and so, um, you know, the, the nice part about being at Northwest, our, our foundation is very strong. So most of the kids in our program are five-year kids from the Midwest, grown up in this culture. So it's a little easier to rein those other personalities in sometimes when your mass is Northwest guys. 
Well, and, and special teams, right? I want to talk about special teams because obviously you have a new new long snapper, new returners, but, but then you brought in competition for Cole Lamel with Noah Gastella. Are, are you happy with, with how that unit has, has progressed through the spring and through the summer? I really am. Uh, the consistency got markedly better over the spring with the kicking department. You're also going to reintroduce Mike Cohency as the punter again. So, you know, he's he provides a whole different dynamic for people um, and how they choose to defend him or not um, back there because he's a quarterback. And so um, I feel much better about our kicking situation. The, the long snapper, we had two that we used in the spring. Um, obviously, adding the high school kid in, there is a potential kid that could play for us this fall um, just because he's so specialized in what he does. Uh, but we'll have to see how he comes in and performs once once the bullets start to fly. Once the bullets start to fly. That's my, one of my favorite Coach Wright-isms, by the way. I don't know if that's a thing, but it is now. And uh, I, I've I've adopted that, and I use it. A, a lot now, but anyway, uh, that's exactly right. You know, that's, you know, once the bullets start to fly, we'll see what, what some of these young guys can do. I'm really excited. You know, if again, fall camp starts up August 6th, I plan on going to at least one of the practices and I'll kind of incorporate that into an upcoming episode of bleeding green as well. And, uh, talked about, you know, the two guys up on the podium, Braden, Wright. And in uh, in Zach Howard, of course, I had an opportunity to talk to Braden and just kind of started off by asking him how he was feeling physically um, compared, you know, now having a whole offseason to work out, get his weight back up as opposed to how he ended last season. Last season, I wouldn't say I ever got back to that. I was about 20 pounds underweight playing once I came back. So, but I mean, that was it didn't feel that much different. It just, it was there. It was noticeable, I guess, sometimes. But yeah, once the season ended, I kind of got to like rest my body for, for a couple of weeks before I get back into weights. It, it kind of flew back on then. Uh, I knew once my body was fully healed, it would come back quickly. So it did heavier than I've ever been right now, feeling better than probably I ever have. So you know, I think that a lot of that is just, I'm 23 now, playing college football still. I'm getting older. I'm growing into my body now for, it's going to be for life. So I think that's played a big part in it, but yeah, I just think I healed up well, better than I thought I would after the season. So yeah, I'm just excited to you know get going, you know, put it to the test now, I guess. Well, talk about do you feel obviously you were a captain last year? Do you feel a different leadership role this year and in, in being a senior and and does it feel any different leadership wise from from you know this year to last year? It actually does. Only in the fact that the guys that are coming in, the true freshmen this year that have been here with the summer, a few of them came this summer, they just feel so much younger. Like it's literally like, it's not as much of a teammate. It's like, I feel like I'm like too old to be there. So it's like a weird balance. I've just been trying to get used to it. But I mean, for the, for the, mo or for the majority of the team, it doesn't feel that much different. But for the young guys, the youngest guys, the freshmen, and now the incoming freshmen, that's where it feels a little bit different. feels like I need to, you know, pull the rope even more, uh, you know, just to, you know, try to leave the best mark I can on this place before I leave, you know, whether it's in the weight room, on the field, in the meeting room, whatever it may be, I just want to leave the mark on them, you know, they can take with them for their five years that they'll be here as well. well and how important do you think that is having having you and Mikey, where you guys have both started, you know, playoff games, and, and how important is, is that in your guys' experience and with so many young guys at skill positions? Yeah, I mean, I think Coach Wright kind of hit on it in the actual media day interview thing. I mean, he was talking about how you know, a lot of it starts at quarterback. That's one of the things that irks me about is you get too much praise. Uh, so playing quarterback, but you know, a lot of it does start there and having two guys that are capable, you know, it's a, 
you know, and I think we got really we got five, six guys. Everyone I think is capable to go out there and play football at the quarterback position in our roster. But, you know, experience is hard to come by. A lot of the times at the quarterback position is generally people older, uh, you know, play a year or two. But, you know, we're lucky to have two guys who have played a lot. You know, we had Joe Krause get in there for, I think, the entire second half of the Mo West game, and he played a lot, like, in the end of the game. So we've had guys get experience. Jaden Urschel and Chris Runke both, now they'll be ready to play this year. They were redshirting. So, you know, they they don't have experience on the field yet, but, you know, we got a bunch of guys that are all very capable of going out there to play football games. Well, and, and, and talking about that, how, how do you guys, I mean, you, you know, you and Mikey probably get most of the headlines, but how does how do you guys as a quarterback room push each other to try to make each other better? Yeah, it was one of the things that Coach Sturdy kind of first hit on when he got there. It's like, it's kind of, you know, the quarterback's the position where really one guy is the guy at a time. Like, I mean, you'll see some rare things where there's two quarterbacks out there in football, but most of the time it's one guy out on the field. So it's kind of like the one for all, all for one mantra is like, you know, if you're not out there, you do everything you can to support them. You know, that's your role then to, you know, see what the defenses are doing, you know, in practice even. That's what. We just got done with spring ball and summer stuff against our own defense. We'll be going into fall camp, you know, like what are we seeing from our defense on the sideline? Just things like that. You know, in practice, we just have fun together. Like it's a fun group to be around and, you know, be a part of. So I'm thankful for that. Um, you know, there's a lot of probably position groups across the country in college football that there's bitterness and fighting between guys. And, you know, I'm just lucky that, you know, we're a part of a group that's not like that at all. And I'm very thankful for that. It's made, it's made just being, you know, going through the grind of college football just a heck of a lot easier every day. All right, and and finally, you know, personally, you know, your name is 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 you know kind of creeping up on a lot of career lists and things for Bearcats from offense, passing, you know, passing. Do you pay attention to any of that stuff? Uh, generally, no. Sometimes I'll hear about it and things like this, and that's about it. Um, I mean, it's cool. Like, like regardless of things like that, those honors are cool. But uh, you know, it's just so quickly forgotten about too. One of my roommates, Elijah Green, actually, we lived together, and he was looking at my MIAA uh, freshman of the year trophy thing. And I'm like, dude, that literally feels like a different lifetime. Like, I forget that that even happened. And that was only four years ago. So I'm just like, you know, things like that are so cool, and it's a great honor, you know, be on lists like that because it you know, means you've accomplished something and you've put in work for something. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the success of the team. And, you know, you'll remember the guys and the stories and the experiences together a lot longer than you'll remember stats and records and stuff like that. So, you know, I just want to take advantage of, you know, being relational and being really intentional with guys this last year and not worry about things like that as much as I can. Really mature, measured um, responses from Braden right there, I thought. Um, that's what we get, you know, that's that's what we get. I Every time I talk to Braden, he's, uh, you know, he, he always uh, makes me sound good because <laughs> he's got good answers. The other, the other reason... Um, that I always enjoy talking to Braden is he's an office fan, uh, you know, fan of the TV show, the office, which of course is a big, uh, big motivating factor behind the title of this podcast and other things. In fact, as I sit here recording this, um, as I look at my Michael Scott light switch cover, I have a Shroot Farms t-shirt on. So that tells you, <laughs> tells you what a big fan of the office I am. But, um, no, one of the things that I heard and, and people were questioning and maybe a little bit disappointed that it didn't get brought up was, was the starting quarterback question, right? Who's going to start Mike, Mikey Hoensey? Is it going to be Braden, right? Here's my thought. I don't think we're going to know. And I will not be shocked if both guys get meaningful snaps in that Hayes game. At least if both guys get a drive. I don't know. I think Coach Sturdy is going to whip up some packages and things. Maybe we see them both on the field at the same time. 
Who knows? I don't know. Um, you know, the, obviously, a lot of fans have their own um, opinions and perspectives and all of that stuff. But ultimately, I think it boils down to they're both great kids. They're both great leaders. I saw things when, especially toward the tail end of last season when they were both healthy-ish, I guess, and both playing in some games where they um, they were their each other's biggest cheerleaders. I mean, those guys have a great relationship. I think that speaks to the character of both of those guys. Whatever role they're in, they're going to try to help the team the best way that they can and, and help the other guy succeed. And, you know, Braden kind of mentioned it there. Um, you know, I think both guys come from great families. Both of their dads, awesome dudes. And I think you see that with both of them, with, with Mikey and with Braden. And so personally, whichever one, you know, if, if there is a quote unquote starter, whichever one, I'm going to be proud of how they represent the Bearcats. I think they, you know, they each have their own skill set and bring different things to the table. And that's why I, I don't know. I don't have any basis for this. I don't think we're going to find out much of anything to be quite honest with you until that Hayes game. And so we'll just see. That's maybe not the answer that everybody wants. That's just my own opinion. Things change. You know, we still got four or five weeks before that happens. Who knows? But uh, that's just my my own personal opinion. Also got an opportunity to talk one on one with Northwest defensive lineman Zach Howard. The the truffle shuffle is that coming back? What about the long hair? Find all that out and more. The first thing though that I asked Zach about is is with Noah Williams graduating, Sam Roberts now in the NFL. Does he feel like his leadership role is changing at all? Honestly, not really. Just just growing into what I am supposed to be as a leader on the team um, probably has changed a little bit, and just like. Uh, just allowing me to step into that fully and just having to step into that fully. But honest, honestly, just like pushing into Coach Wright and pushing into some other guys on the team and like learning, you know, what it means to be uh, my style of leadership. Just like, you know, I don't have to be that rah-rah guy all the time. I am a louder and more vocal guy. Um, but it doesn't mean like, I don't know, just when you're supposed to be a leader as a sophomore, it's tough because you don't know how to lead a team. It's like, well, how do I do this? Like, what? what what am I supposed to do in situations? And so just being an older guy, I know how I'm supposed to lead and what the best way for me to do that is. And it's just different for everyone. There's a bunch of different types of leadership styles. Um, and then just each has its nuance as well with personality traits and um, different guys on the team and position group and um, all that. So just, you know, just being that guy and knowing who I am as a leader on the team now has, is going to be really fun just to fully commit to that. I kind of found that last year and get to do that again this year and just being the guy to encourage everyone 99% uh, of the time and then every once in a while get after someone for not doing uh, what's right but just trying to just trying to be an encourager. I like to have fun playing football. It's very easy for me to have fun and bring a lot of energy. Um, so just being that guy is I shake my belly for a reason after sacks. It's football's fun so um, you know bring the juice uh, be be a be a light to the other guys. Um, you know, don't dip from others' buckets, but fill their buckets. And that's all I'm trying to do: just bring energy, um, be a leader in that aspect. And for sure, there will be times that I need to get after someone um, for not doing their job, just as there will be times someone needs to get after me for not doing mine, and I expect them to do so. So it'll be fun. Well, everybody knows you and Elijah as the, as the names on that defensive line. What are other some of the younger guys? I mean, we saw a little bit, but there there was so much. You know, there's there's so much talent always. It's hard for everybody to get on the field. Who are some guys you think besides you and Elijah that may be primed for for a breakout season? Yeah, I think this, this is just a tough question because there is a lot of talent in the room, and it's like they're all at this like 
level of they're good enough to be starters and they're good enough to play it as a Bearcat. It's like who's going to be the guy who like steps out and emerges and like takes the spot. Does that make sense? So um, Walker Graves is, is growing exponentially. He's going to be really good. He just will be. Um, he, I came in with him. Uh, he's a good player. He'll be a good player. Uh, he'll play this year. I don't know what the role is, and you know I don't know how we'll rotate. Um, I'm sure he'll start a couple games though. Uh, don't quote me on that. That's Coach Wright's decision. But he's he's good enough too. Um, and Drake Kinsella is another guy. He's he's another inside guy. He's a good player. Um, to see him grow has been really fun as well. As to see, you know, it's going to be fun to watch him to see if he emerges this year and takes a spot. We have some younger guys inside, Niles Shutt and Clayton Power, who have grown so much. Niles is going to be a stud. I don't know if it's this year or not. Niles Shutt will be a stud at North Missouri State. So um, hopefully it's that year, this year, and he gets a lot of playing time, and that just builds into his career um, and helps us out this year. Clayton Power, um, he, everything's finally starting to click for him. You know, he just had some, like, he was thinking too much, and it's college football, everything's kind of fast, and it's starting to slow down for him. So it's really fun to see him grow into what he is, and, and he could be a really good player and get some playing time. Honestly, uh, Kobe Claiborne, uh, is going to be fun to watch. He's a little short guy. He's shorter than Elijah. You're going to go out there and you're going to be like, why is he out there? You know, you're just going to count him out. Best hands on the D-line, best fluidity in hips. Probably one of the most natural pass rushers we have. Um, and he'll find a way. You know, it might take him a couple games or whatever, but he will start to emerge and be a, a stud. Um, even if you're, he's going to run out there and you're going to be like, this dude's tiny. But it, <laughs> also, I don't know why I'm saying this 30 times, but he's a, he's a good dude too. Um, but yeah, we have Jake Fisher, who's, who's really grown into it. He kind of had a wrist injury that, you know, anytime you have something that you can't really use your hands with, it sucks on the D-line, especially us. And so he's finally fully healthy and getting in, in spring ball, he got to grow exponentially. And now in the summer, he's been just getting better and better. So to see him in a fall where he's fully healthy and not a true freshman is going to be really, really fun to see him. Tyler Miller's going to be great. Um, just to see him grow, you got to see glimpses of him last year uh, in, in moments we did need him. So, and there's guys I'm leaving out right now that I'm not thinking of, but it's just going to be a fun group. They're they're freaking hard workers. I, every single one of them in that room. Keaton Ricky, that's another inside guy. He, he's taking Sam's spot at 98, and uh, uh, he's just a, he's just a brute of a man, and freaking one of the hardest workers on the team. So, all these guys, all these possibilities there's a lot of talent in the room just to see like who's going to step up who's going to merge i don't know but there will be guys to do that so it'll be fun well to shift uh, gears a little bit and talk about you obviously you know you all academic all-american last year you've been recognized all region all miaa um does that what does that recommend um recognition mean to you and is there anything that means you know is there a certain recognition that means more than another oh I haven't been asked that question. I mean, just in general, it's an honor to be recognized. Um, you gotta love it. Uh, it just does feel good. But, you know, I, I deserve none of this. If I'm at a different school, I don't get this. I'm not the same player I am if I'm not at Northwest Missouri State. And that's a guarantee. Coach Wright and what he's been able to do, work with me, teach me, it's just been a really good combination. So, um, yeah, I don't think, honestly, I don't think there's another like D-line coach that could have done what Coach Wright did for my career. Um, so I got got to give him props. You know, the academic All-American stuff is is you know 
not just on-field stuff that's also in the classroom. And I want to thank my mom was a teacher, my grandpa was a teacher, my uncle was a teacher. There's more teachers in the family. It's like just understanding the importance of education is just what who what made me who I am. So um, that's always a fun time to just like reflect that part of my life. And then also, we just have freaking great teachers in Northwestern State, um, especially in the education department and PE. Gina McNeese, phenomenal. Jody and Damon Lease, uh, freaking power couple who is amazing. Uh, but Lauren Butler, and that, those are all PE people. We got Linda Smith in the education department. Um, there's just so many that I'm leaving off the list right now, but it's like, you just, you just gotta love who you, who's pouring into you. And it's not just me being a smart, smart guy in the classroom or a hard worker. And I do like to work hard, but it's also, um, just the people that have been around me and just allowed me to succeed. All right. Well, uh, you know, you're, you're closing in on, on top 10, you know, career sack list and some other things. Do you pay any attention to that stuff? It's hard. Obviously, you know, you look at the numbers at the end of the year or whatever, and if you get a couple sacks in a game, you're like, oh, I got two, you know. But honestly, we talk about it all the time in the D-line room. It's like uh, sacks don't win football games. Sacks don't mean you're, you're getting to the queue. Um, disrupting throws do. So if the ball is off really quick and you have a great move, it doesn't matter. Like it would have been a sack if it was a, a corner post, but it's a slant. So it's like it doesn't matter. Situations come up. Um, game plans come up. Uh, I've just been thankful to play at Northwestern State and understand the aspects of doing your 111th. So if I can get to the queue, um, do my job and pushing the pocket at times, and then every once in a while I'll get back there free, uh, that's, that's, that's the goal. So, yeah, I mean, sacks are fun. Like, the, the stat is fun. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But also just there is a balance. Like, you don't need to be worrying about sacks because if we're getting to the queue and the DBs are uh, – you know, if we're making the ball get off early, we're going to help the DBs out, and they're going to be able to cover for a short, shorter amount of time, and they can do that for sure. So, um, yeah, football is just, just a game of doing your 111th to doing your job, and if I can do that, stats will come, sure, but they're also not going to be super spectacular, so that's okay. All right, fair enough. Well, Zach, the most important question is my last one. Fans are going to notice when, when they see you that there's not those flowing red locks coming out from the helmet. Why? Were you just tired of the long hair? Was there any reasoning behind it? Well, I told myself after my sophomore year, which had been 2019, I was like, I'll grow my hair out because it kind of been getting long in the season. So I decided to grow it out. I started growing it out. I was, I was like, I'll do it for two more years. It'll be my junior and senior year. Well, COVID happened. So that was my junior year, quote unquote. And so um, I did my two years and I promised myself I'd do. Um, and I was just like, it's a lot of work. Long hair is a lot of work. Um, give it out to all the women out there that deal with that every day. Uh, it's like, you gotta have shampoos and conditioners and you got 30 people throughout your life that are telling you different things to do. You gotta brush it so the dead hairs come out. You don't gotta brush it because you have curly hair. So the hair, it's curlier if you don't brush it. You gotta sleep with a soap pillowcase. You gotta, you don't wanna shampoo it every day. Well, I work out every day. So if I don't shampoo it, it smells. And so it's like, you know, it was just a lot of work and it was a fun time though. I'm glad I did it for the little time of my life, season of my life that I was in but it will not be returning. That's the kind of hard-hitting, breaking journalism that you'll hear here on Bleeding Green is, is uh, some Zach Howard hair talk. 
And uh, but I, I'll tell you what, I enjoy that because, uh, you know, my Twitter handle at FroDaddy84, uh, my very first radio name on X106 back in the day was FroDaddy. My nickname in the college was Fro because I had a gigantic afro was a long time ago. There's not not so much hair um, nowadays, but although Zach m- might have his a little more higher and tighter than mine. But uh, yeah, it just eventually it was just a long mane of, of curly hair halfway down my back. So so always enjoy a little bit of hair talk on on Bleeding Green. Well, let's take a time out. Still got four more players to hear from, and I haven't even told you who yet. So so it'll be a surprise. Be back with more next here on Bleeding Green. Hey, this is former Bearcat Utility Knife Jordan Grove, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Go Cats! And welcome back here on Bleeding Green, joined by senior linebacker Sam Phillips. And and Sam, you went from, you know, last year kind of being, although you were a junior, kind of one of the younger guys with with Brody and Jackson, and now you're you're the you know veteran guy in the linebacking core. How is this year? You know, as you approach this season, different than than last year? Um, well, there's definitely a little bit more weight, you know, as a senior, as the as the leader of the group. But it's been really fun just watching all the young guys just get after it all summer, and and it's going to be fun watching them compete for a spot. Well, and what's that like? I mean, you, you, you talk about you know, and coach talked about it up on the podium um, during his time for media day about just what talent there is at linebacker. How how does how does that make it more challenging, but also help uh, push all you guys to be your very best. Well, like I said, um, I think it's, it's a, it makes great competition when it comes to starting spots. And then, you know, if someone gets hurt, then uh, the rest of us can trust uh, the next man up. Well, and, and you know, I, met, I mentioned Brody and Jackson, and of course they're gone now. What, what influence were those guys on you? Just the way they led, uh, the way they loved people, um, served us. They were they were fantastic. Um, they played hard always. You could always you always knew what you were going to get from them, and um, they were they were just great leaders. Well, and, and you're an eight man football guy. I have a soft spot. I'm from Union Star, so we played eight man football. I know Drake Kinsella's from Worth County. He was an eight man. I mean, is there kind of a brotherhood there for you guys of, of being eight men? Um, not really. Once you get there, you kind of mingle, but um, we we see each other. You know, we see each other. Is is it difficult to explain to some of your teammates sometimes? what exactly eight-man football is. Yeah, they all think it's fake football. So I say, you have to go watch a game, and then you can tell me what you think. Well, you know I'm going to work in some eight-man football talk here on Bleeding Green. And uh, we focus pretty heavily on defense besides Braden. So had an opportunity to talk to Mitch Goff, one of the offensive linemen of the Bearcats, one of kind of the upperclassmen. And one of the things I asked him, you know, with losing Gabe Bounce and Tanner Owen, a couple of big seniors and leaders on the line, kind of what that position group has done in the offseason to try to make up for the loss of those two guys and get better as a unit. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's all started um, with winter workouts, you know, in the winter and obviously going through spring ball, um, just trying to get get those younger guys, you know, more looks, um, getting them more reps and obviously, uh, you know, developing in the weight room. And, um, you know, like Coach Wright said when he was speaking up there, um, that class from like 2019 and 20, uh, when they came in, you know, they, they kind of got – passed over with all the COVID stuff, you know, they, they were kind of double, double red shirted guys. Um, so we're really looking, looking for those guys and in, in those classes specifically who have, you know, been, they have the experience of being here for multiple years, but not really the, you know, the actual game experience. Um, 
that most guys at their age would have. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, those guys stepping into roles. You know, we're really excited about um, who we, we got a good transfer uh, tackle coming in or already came in um, who I think can step in and, and play for us there. Um, and then a couple other guys who, who saw some reps last year uh, who, who had some injury problems. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. You know, obviously Tanner and Gabe, those guys, they helped me a lot, you know, mold into who I am uh, today. So um, definitely going to miss those guys, but I think we, we got the guys to, to fill in for them. So. Well, what, did, what did you take away from those two specifically, kind of as a as leadership role that you have to undertake now that you've kind of learned from and, and can apply? Yeah, uh, Gabe, Gabe really wasn't much of a vocal guy. He kind of led with, with his actions. You know, he worked hard and he was really just freakishly strong. So he kind of led in that aspect. Um, but Tanner, Tanner was more of the vocal guy. Um, you know, he was always getting on people, you know, being nasty, you know, finishing through the whistle type of leading guy. Um, you know, always, always a vocal leader. You know, if someone wasn't doing something right, he was getting on them to do it right. Um, so I really learned that from him too. Um, I'm going to kind of, you know, take ownership in that that role now that he's gone, um, and also still leading with, you know, how I play and, uh, you know, my uh, my effort on the field. All right. Well, well, and of course, you know, as as a lineman, I bet if I ask, you're going to say you like to block on those running plays better. But uh, what is it? I mean, what do you take the most pride in, and and how do you guys make sure, a, as a group, that you that you communicate well and just you know be the best that you can be as a group? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, as an O lineman, like you said, you like to run the ball a lot. Um, you know, with but with our uh, our new offense with Coach Sturdy, I know it's not really new anymore. Um, now that we have a year under our belt, but he has a very very uh, complex and you know superb uh, passing game that he likes to incorporate. Obviously, um, so really that's been kind of our biggest thing this off season. We've been working on some uh, some new stuff in the pass protection um, that we think will help us out a lot, um, protecting whoever you know whoever might be in there at quarterback. Um, but definitely running the ball. That's we like to pride ourselves on running inside zone a lot. Um, you know, just hitting north and south instead of the perimeter. That's kind of our bread and butter, so to speak. I think the offensive line. You know, that's a group coming out of the spring. They had so many different injuries, and, and Coach Wright talked about it when he came on this podcast with me. I talked to him after that spring game, kind of of, of so many guys stepping up. And I mean, if if you go right now to BearcatSports.com and you look at the roster, there's so many different linemen. Obviously, Dalton Hill, who's a senior, Mitch, who's a junior, Nigel White, who's a junior, guys that got a significant amount of playing time last year. There's guys like Seth the Zagunas and. Um, Andrew Theobald is is the transfer tackle that that uh, Mitch was talking about. There, so many other guys. Heck, even a even Gabe Bouts's little brother uh, Sam is on the team as well. That's kind of a neat when he's a redshirt freshman. So who knows? Maybe he maybe he figures in a little bit. A guy like Malik Culp, I think, is another guy who's who's young, but kind of just kind of a big. Uh, big guy there on the interior, Christopher Carlson. I mean, there's so many guys as you look through 
that seem to figure in. And, and talking about Gabe's little brother and legacy players, that kind of leads me to the next guy I was able to talk with. We we know what Jacob Volstead, what an amazing, you know, one of the all-time great Bearcat linebackers, and specifically on the on the 2015 and 16 national title teams. His little brother Isaac, who's, uh, you know, kind of making a name for himself, got a little bit of rotation time in last year. That was really tough. But uh, he, he talked about just how different preparation is going into this season as, as he, you know, figures to be one of the starters at linebacker. Just kind of like Coach Wright mentioned during the conference, it's our first full year out of COVID, so it's been a full year preparation without having to worry about, is, am I going to have to quarantine for COVID? That's kind of been on the back burner. So it's been great just having everybody there, the whole team there. And then my own preparation has been a lot different because I'm not sitting behind Jackson anymore. It's been great being behind him and learning a lot from him, but me being that next guy up, so it's been a lot different, but it's been a good adjustment. Well, let's talk about that. Jackson, of course, Brody Buck, obviously those guys gone now, and, and those were such big leaders for the football team. What were you able to take away from them, and, and specifically Jackson, since he was the one kind of in front of you? Absolutely. It's, like you said, it's a lot of leadership those two brought to the room. Those two were always guys that knew what they were doing, and then uh, Jackson specifically, he was just so quick with all his decisions. He was Great to learn from, talk to pre-game, post-game, what he's seeing, what, what I need to be seeing. So it's been great being behind him and guys like Andy Hessler a couple of years ago. I took a lot from him. It's been great having good mentors like that in the program. Well, and, and Coach talked about when he was up on the podium about just the talent that you guys have at linebacker. It's probably the most talented position group on the team. How does, how does that – you know, how do you guys push each other then, and how does that make it challenging maybe to be one of the guys that is going to get on the field? Absolutely. We have a super good group of young guys, freshmen, sophomores, juniors that have been here for two, three, four years that have just been chomping at the bit to get on the field. Some of these second, third year guys that have redshirted and then COVID redshirt. I mean, we've got so many guys physically ready to play college football. So it's it's great having these guys pushing us to get better, and then we can pull them along with us. So having that depth has been great in the offseason. Well, and, and obviously, you know, it's your brother Jacob probably gets brought up to you a lot. You know, great, great Northwest linebacker. And, and legacy is a thing. We see guys now, so many young, you know, guys that, that have their brothers on the team. What, what has your brother meant to you, and how does that kind of, you know, people talk so highly about him. How does that push you to, to be even better? I mean, a lot of people – after talking to us, say we're super alike, but him and I are just two two best friends. I mean, he doesn't push me too hard on football because he knows I, I'm going to do that myself. So our relationship isn't built based off football, which has been awesome. So it's kind of a unique relationship in that way. But just knowing what he's done, it's set the set a bar for me, and I'm just looking forward to doing what I can to meet and exceed those expectations. Good stuff there from Isaac Volstead. You know, it's so interesting how many guys, you know, they're, that their brothers come, you know, kind of these legacy players, as they call them. You know, Braden Wright's younger brother is on the team. Jackson Barnes had his younger brother on the team in his time here. And uh, so many other guys go on and on and on, and I'll, I'll leave a bunch of guys out. But it's – I don't know. I just think that's a really neat thing and kind of, a, you know – feeds in more to that kind of family atmosphere of the Bearcats. Speaking of family atmosphere, 
lastly, Elijah Green joining me. Great chat, by the way. I started off by asking him kind of how things were different for him last year, kind of getting that, uh, you know, securing that fourth spot on the D-line kind of in fall camp. And then this year being one of the starters, one of the main guys and a leader along with Zach. Last year was more of just trying to gain knowledge from Noah and Sam. Two guys that were older than me, had done it before, and I'm like, okay, how can I learn how to play at a high level in this starting role? Because it's different just being a guy that can come in and help out every once in a while than being a guy that can dominate every snap. And that's what I wanted to be, and I still desire to be. Um, so it was just gaining more knowledge from them. And now it's like flipped. Now I'm the guy that's trying to tell the other guys coming in, like, okay, this is how we do it. This is how we communicate. So I just think a lot of it's just communication, both both verbal and nonverbal with guys about how to, you know, lead in the proper way, how to, you know, present ourselves in public a proper way. Just simple things like that, I think, is um, is kind of what sticks out the most to me. Well, I talk a little bit about last season because I think probably when fall camp starts, I don't know that you would have been a starter and, and you basically made that other starting position yours. H how big was fall camp and just last season overall for you personally? Yeah, it was huge. Um, it was my first time ever playing defensive end. Uh, last, last spring is when I started, and I was so nervous because brand new position um, and stuff like that. So I was kind of just unsure on what it was. And there was a lot of guys that knew it that were, you know, ahead of me. And I was like, I don't really know what's going on. So it was just a lot, a lot of questions. I just became like a fly on the wall to Coach Wright. I tried to absorb everything he said and pester him with as many questions. Um, but, you know, just continually growing and growing and growing and then just trying to make a new mistake every day. Um, so ultimately helped me get that starting role and then just can continue to grow and get better every single day. Well, and how did, you know, you talked about Sam and Noah, those guys specifically. How, how did they kind of help you improve and help your role? And, and what can you take from them that you can apply for, you know, the younger guys now? Yeah, yeah, I think um, – with Sam, it was more of a, he had done there before, he had been there before, and he had a lot of different um, keys that he would watch on the field. Like, um, let's say if he was watching, like, um, the tackle in his stance, and if he would, like, try to, if he would do this, like, little lean, or if he was, had his chest more up, like, at this angle, um, he could tell if it was run or pass. Um, little things like that helped me out, and just trying to think, if I can help myself out so much more before the play even starts, I will be leaps and bound ahead of kind of what happens because that's the last thing we want to do as a demon is just react and be like, okay, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to figure it out on the fly. Like I want to build a book of like, okay, this is what I think is going to happen and then go from there. Um, so just kind of learning how to build that book from Sam and Noah was huge because I really had no like pre-snap awareness of like, okay, I'm just getting in my stance and now it's starting to play, I guess. So that was the biggest thing for me. Well, and, and last year, you know, towards the tail end of the season, I think playoffs started. Al McKellar changed his number, opened yep. up number two for you. Talk a little bit about that. Why number two? And, I mean, I, it's it's been talked about amongst my friends and on the podcast. Like, if, if you're a D lineman and you're going to wear a single digit, you better be, you better ball out. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Um, so it was just a, a weird deal. I don't know why Al changed his number to number zero. I have no idea. But one game I saw him wearing number zero, and I was like, hey, are you done with number zero? And he was like, yeah, I'm just going to – or I was like, are you done with number two? And he's like, I'm just going to stick with zero. So I was like, nobody's in two. I mean, I would if, – if Coach Ryan says yes, I'll do it. So I asked him, and he was like <clears> – he was like, I really don't care. If you want it, take it. If not, whatever. So I was like, all right, easy. That's an easy choice. So I switched to number two um, and kind of never looked back. 
Um, I was a single-digit number in high school, number five, and obviously number five wasn't open, so I was like, hey, two is close enough. It's just like a backwards five, so I'll, I'll do it anyway. So, um, but, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I do think that carries a lot of, a lot of weight, especially for a defense alignment, because usually if a defense alignment does wear a single digit, he better be able to back it up. Um, so hopefully I can do that this year, um, and I'm not just out there just personifying this great player, and I can actually be great this year. Well, and it probably gets up, gets brought up all the time in interviews with you is, is your dad, Clarence. I mean, what role has he played? And I mean, does it add extra pressure to you that, or, or is it, or do you look at it as a positive of that he played for the Bearcats as well? Um, I don't think I necessarily look at it as a positive or a negative. Um, a lot of people really don't know that my dad played for the Bearcats, actually, which is kind of a crazy fact, because um, I felt like everybody just knew that just because I knew it. But yeah, not a lot of people really do. Um, but I think it's overall, I look at just his impact for me just as a positive, um, establishing me how to be a man, how to grow, how to ask questions, how to be attentive, um, things like that. Um, it's been a huge positive for my life. And then on the football field, um, it's really just non-existent. Um, it's just not like my dad never was like the one to type to like put pressure on me to succeed or do this. He just wanted me to try my best. And if that's what I did, he was happy regardless of the outcome. Um, so that's kind of like the... The way I kind of view my leadership is like, if we're trying our best and we put our best foot forward, even if we fail, there's nothing we can be mad at because we actually tried our best. Maybe just we weren't great that day. Well, and what, what's it like for you getting to play alongside your brother, Zach? I mean, I know you guys have a great relationship. Talk about that and how does that help and translate then over onto the football field? Yeah, it is a, a really cool deal. So uh, me and Zach have literally been together for like ever. Um, I think when he was a freshman and he first moved up, he came up a, a summer early. <clears throat> and he stayed at my house, actually. And I was like, I don't know who this kid is, but someone's going to help pay rent, so take him in, of course. So uh, we did that, and uh, I, we all of us just loved the kid. He's such a bright kid, ener energetic, outgoing. And I was like, this is like my best friend now. And it's kind of we lived together every single year after that. Um, and it's amazing, like, once we get to the field, it just translates. Like, I know what he's going to do pre-snap. Like, we don't even have to talk. Like, we can just look at each other, and I'm like, I know what he's about to do. Or he can look at me and be like, I know what he's about to do. So I think that's the most amazing thing is, like, we don't necessarily at times have to waste our breath saying things. We kind of just look at each other, and it's like, okay, I know. But um, that's kind of the greatest thing. And we can kind of grow that relationship with a lot of people. Like, it got to the point with me and Big Sam like that at the end of the season. Like, I knew once he looked at me, he wanted me to run this game with him. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So um, that's kind of a thing that kind of just takes time and chemistry to really grow in. Well, and you talk about Zach and, and Braden, of course, is is your roommate as well. Any, any good, funny stories about those guys as roommates? Oh, man. Um, I don't know about any as roommates quite yet. Usually it's like a crazy hypothetical argument that gets brought up. Um, so recently it's been, Braden asked me if me and Conor McGregor got into a street fight, do I think I would be able to win? Um, so I am not overly cocky in my fighting abilities, but I used to be a boxer um, for seven years. Uh, I did that. I was on uh, the Junior Olympic team. So I was fairly decent. Um, one of the guys is actually a really good friend of mine. His name is Richard Torres. Um, I fought him and beat him. He just he won a silver medal at the Olympics when it was in uh, Tokyo. Um, so super, super close friend of mine doing amazing things in the professional scene. But I was like, I think I might be able. I was like, this dude's like 150 pounds. I was like, I don't know. I think I might. And that's been like the talk every single day for like the past week. Brain's like, that is ridiculous. No, you could not. I was like, I don't know. This dude is so much smaller than me. So. 
don't know. That's been the talk lately. So Elijah Green versus Conor McGregor. There you go. That's uh, that's great. Elijah has a reputation, by the way, from the whole team and and, and especially in that D line room in. Uh, of being quite the storyteller and and pretty entertaining guy between him and Zach I can just imagine that uh, what exactly that D D line room is like I, I really look forward to him and all of these guys I can pretty much guarantee every single one of them is going to be back on the podcast at some point I will continue the player interviews as the season starts and uh, there you go six players three coaches that's nine different um I don't know, guests, I guess, if you want to call them that on uh, on the podcast. that That's a bleeding green record, by the way. And a lot of time went into this. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast at Media Day. Uh, thank you so much to all of these guys for giving me some of their time. There were so many other people that I talked to and, and met with, and, and uh, I, I will leave names out. The one guy I want to make sure to thank is uh, Brandon Meisner from d2football.com. We uh, went down there and he was so gracious to kind of help me network and, and some different things. And, and some of that is going to pay off in a big way, I think, for some long-form interviews for next off-season. So anyway, just going to leave it at that. A lot of time between now and then. But one thing I do want to talk about is kind of what this next month or so is going to look like, uh, five weeks before the start of the season on September 1st, the home opener against Hayes. So I kind of have it mapped out, so I'm just going to let you know what uh, what's going on. Now, from now on, we're going weekly with this thing. I will have an episode every single week until the season kicks off and, and until the end of the season. We're going to go weekly the entire time. You will hear Sean Paddock, defensive lineman and uh, sack extraordinaire on the uh, all-time sack list and, and all of that good stuff for the Bearcats. He, he is a great one. And, uh, you know, he is uh, Chris Ward brought him up on the very first episode of this podcast is one of his favorite Bearcats. And he delivered, you know, I have a real soft spot for that 09 national championship team. And so it's pretty neat. It's kind of amazing how his path, you know, his redshirt year was 05. And then freshman, sophomore, junior, all four of those years, they lost the national championship game. Then his senior, you know, fifth year, senior, that senior season. It really paid off. So that's pretty cool. I'm really excited that one. And then one that I'm especially excited to bring you because this is an idea that I had for this episode going back to pretty much the start of this podcast. And I want to kind of explain it. I'll talk about it on next week's episode with Sean Paddock as well and kind of preview it. But it's it's basically going to be a what I'm calling a watch-along episode. So talking about that 2009 National Championship game against Grand Valley State, that game is on YouTube, on the Bearcat TD YouTube page, and I will share the link when we come to that point. Basically, you're going to watch it and watch along with Coach Churchma and myself, and it's going to be kind of like a director's commentary sort of thing is the easiest way to explain it. We're going to be talking about the game, different players, different aspects, I am so, so excited about this. I've worked really hard to put this thing together. And uh, God bless Coach T because he has been down and and we just about got the whole thing put together. I'm really excited. It, it's going to happen now. And it's it's one of these things that this has been my baby. If there's been one thing, one episode that I wanted to bring you, it's this one. Because I think if you can wrap your head around what that's like, it's a really, really cool episode. And again, I'll talk more about it next week. I'm so excited about that. That will be on uh, Thursday, August 11th. 
I will have more of a full kind of season preview, maybe talking about some of the other MIAA teams on the 18th of August, August 25th, the week before the first game. I will do a full preview, breaking down the matchup with Fort Hay State. The reason I'm doing that, I want to give you time to listen to that before the game, since I typically upload on Thursdays. And then that uh, Thursday of the game, I have a special kind of kickoff episode of some memories and different things of maybe some Fort Hayes games and season openers with some special guests and things planned for that one. So that's kind of what the next five or so episodes are going to look like. And then, of course, we'll be into the season and uh, and off and running. But I wanted to share that with you. That's kind of what's going on. Of course, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. That's a, that's a great way to kind of keep up with the podcast at FroDaddy84. The Facebook group is probably even better than that. Bleeding Green Podcast, you can just throw a like on Facebook, follow that page, you'll get all the notifications. I'll throw some uh, different nuggets and things. I did upload a clip. You talk about great season openers of the, of the 2002 season, which opened on a Gabe Helms kickoff return for a touchdown on the opening kick of the season. So, that, I mean, a season opener doesn't get any better than that. And uh, I may be dropping some more kind of cool little clips and things like that. I have some ideas and and other things. So definitely follow that Facebook page. And then however you listen to the podcast, um, you know, just like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave a five-star review if you can. All of that stuff absolutely helps. I show, so appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you for being so supportive of Bleeding Green. It allows me to do all of these amazing things. So it allows me to go to MIAA Media Day, to do this watch-along episode that's you know, I've had dreamed up for, for about a year. And so, uh, it's, it's really super exciting and all of your support is, is greatly appreciated. If, if you have ideas for guests, anything like that, that you would like to hear, you know, message me on Twitter, you know, throw a message on the, on the Facebook group. Any of that stuff is, is a great way to reach out. And, uh, I'm obviously open, uh, open for suggestions and things like that as well. I, I want to, you know, have, have the people on that you want to hear. So it's, uh, it's great. Just thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. And as always, go Bearcats. Bearcats.